You're listening to the Lawyer Lifestyle Podcast with Chicago attorney Dave Scriven Young. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 246 of the Lawyer Lifestyle Podcast for July 2nd, 2020. My name is Dave Scriven Young, an attorney from Chicago, Illinois, and I'll be your host. This podcast takes you on a daily journey to discover key principles in the areas of marketing, sales, and leadership for attorneys. What follows is audio from last night's Lawyers Emotional Intelligence Book Club. Our guest was Ian Hugh, a Canadian attorney, and we discussed how to avoid the stress associated with technology overload. As a reminder, we go live every Wednesday night for the club. You can join the discussion at facebook.com slash lawyerseq. Enjoy the discussion. Welcome to the Lawyers Emotional Intelligence Book Club. My name is Dave Scriven Young, a lawyer focusing on litigation, environmental law, and construction law from Chicago, Illinois. We're helping to create the next generation of lawyers with high emotional intelligence through a weekly book club and daily practical posts at facebook.com slash lawyerseq. During our book club discussions, we'll do a deep dive into books that will help us develop our emotional intelligence skills, specifically think about how we can begin to use these skills in our law practices. I don't sit here as a, an expert. On the contrary, I actually want to uh, learn from all of you and learn from our special guests today. So please, uh, would love to see your observations and your comments in, uh, in the comments uh, below, wherever you're, we should be on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, um, and uh, really excited uh, for this discussion. So let's get into uh, the content for those of you um, who don't know a little bit about me. Um, I graduated in uh, 2003 from DePaul. Um, I'm senior counsel at Picard and Abramson, I'm a civil litigator. I also do construction law and environmental law. And my mission uh, is to identify and share historically correct knowledge and resources and hopefully an inspiring entertaining format in order to help others meet and exceed goals and standards in every area of their lives. So uh, I just wanted to say hello to everyone uh, who's joined online. I see uh, that Rachel is on, on my little watch party here. I also see Stuart and Sandy, hello to all. Um, on uh, the comments, I, I see Charlie and Kathy and the Winter Cactus on Twitch. So welcome uh, to all. I know there's probably uh, more of you out there watching. So let us know in the comments uh, where you're from and if you're uh, what you're excited about uh, today. So let's talk about uh, what we talked about uh, in the past. So emotional intelligence skill that we're dealing with is self-management. And the book that we're using as our textbook is The Stress Solution by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. And basically, he talks about four areas of our lives that can either stress us out or de-stress us. So the first area is what our purpose is in our life. And we can align our, our actions more with our purpose by doing several different things. We can do affirmations, we can reframe things, we can talk, uh, feel gratitude and think of things that we're great, grateful for. We can schedule our time and, and have morning routines and we can live more. And that's things like loving what you do, acting with intention, having a vision for your life and engaging uh, through serving others. We also talked about relationships um, and we can uh, de-stress uh, through the sense of touch and by nurturing um, our friendships and our other relationships. And then we talked about body and we talked about how what you eat can actually make you happy and de-stress you. On the contrary, also on the other opposite side, uh, there are things that you can eat that actually will stress you out, right? 
And then uh, last week we talked about resetting your rhythm, especially through sleep. And we had a very special guest um, who talked to us, talked to us about um, what we should do, how we should sleep, how long we should sleep. So if you missed that episode, uh, make sure you catch it. Um, and just so you know, all of the episodes are on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash lawyers EQ. That's where our homepage is for the Lawyers Emotional Intelligence Book Club. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be continuing on with Dr. Chatterjee's book, The Stress Solution. Um, but we're going to be talking about the mind and how the mind and the things that go into our mind can either be stressful, can stress us out, or it can help with our stress, can de-stress us. And our special guest today is Ian Hu. Um, who, and Ian is an estates and insurance litigator at Carol Hayde Chown LLP. He's a legal innovation evangelist and lover of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Among his leadership roles, he is most proud of being the first racially diverse chair of the Seoul Small Firm and General Practice Section at the Ontario Bar Association. Yes, we do have a Canadian in the house. Uh, he has served as vice president of the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers, mentored young lawyers, and advocated for diverse lawyers and students. He was co-chair of the American Bar Association's Law Practice Today Board, um, a leadership member of the ABA's Law Practice Division, and a member of the Tech Show 2020 Board. He was an executive member of the Advocate Society Personal Injury and Insurance Practice Group. And finally, he founded and also invites lawyers to join the Facebook group Canadian Lawyers Personal Finance, which helps lawyers on their way to financial independence. So Ian, let's bring Ian into the discussion. Ian, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you, Dave? Doing great. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. And uh, everyone's really excited uh, for this topic. So Ian, before we get into the material, I'm curious, uh, you know, one of the one of the great things that I find in doing podcasts and and this video cast is I talk to people from around the country in the United States, and then also obviously from outside uh, the US. So I, I'm curious as to how uh, COVID life is in, in Canada, what's going on with the quarantine, and how are you, how are you dealing with it with your law practice? Well, I, I uh, live in a small town of about 150,000, just north of Toronto in uh, Ontario, Canada. And so I think because it's a little more rural, um, we don't see it, it, any any super bad effects um, in terms of you know um, walking around and and uh, the hospitals being inundated we haven't seen any of that here but what what we definitely have is um, people staying home a lot um, the practice has has gone down tons you know I try and keep one or two new files every month. For me, if I can get one or two new, new files every month, uh, the practice is going well. I've probably seen one or less uh, for the last three months. So wow. it's definitely been tough. It's been a slowdown um, big time. Uh, at the same time, you know, I think for dual income earners with kids, it's a super hard time. Both my wife and I work and <laughs> for us to work and uh, handle little kids at the same time is, is basically impossible. So uh, the, the slowdown at work hasn't been that bad because someone has to look after the, the kids too. That's right. Yeah. And uh, how old are your kids? They're uh, five and it's five and eight now. Yeah. Okay. So did you, do you have like 
we in the states we have e-learning for for people who are oh, yeah. quarantining do are you doing any of that or did you kids do that yeah you know it's funny because um we are doing the e-learning and uh it's funny we're talking about technology today because it's part of our family um you know uh plan not to have them be so into technology and we only allow them to use uh um to touch to touch a screen uh once a week on saturdays for an hour or two and so for us all of a sudden we you know that's had to change where they're they're using the computer uh you know essentially almost every day every other day for an hour or whatever so you know it's, it's okay but uh it's just not the greatest anyone knows i mean we're all in this it's it's not a great to learn no no not at all and uh you know it's my uh my two kids have have done e-learning and actually my older son did a uh, summer school class because you couldn't fit music theory into his normal schedule. And so, yeah, it, it's been all screens pretty much all the time. And I think you're right. This is a very uh, timely topic uh, for, for these days, for sure. Yeah. So why don't we uh, delve into, go right into sort of the material for today and just give sort of just an introduction into sort of the mind um, category, because again, the, what, what we put into our mind is um, can either stress us out or it can de-stress us, right? And what Dr. Chatterjee talks about is, you know, we need to give our mental health the same daily care that we give our physical health. We, we, we think and we talk all the time about, you know, uh, exercising and, and our diet and that sort of thing, but we don't tend to really think about uh, what's being put into our mind and what we put, what we put into our mind. And so uh, the next three episodes of this uh, uh, video cast is going to be discussing um, ways to avoid stressing our minds out. Um, and tonight, obviously, we're going to be talking about technology. Uh, next week, we have a special guest coming in to talk about um, how to spend more time in nature um, and how uh, nature can uh, de-stress us. And then, of course, you know, the big topic that I think everyone thinks about with respect to the mind is uh, a regular breathing practice. So something like meditation um, and the like. And so in living, living where you do, I bet you have uh, some natural wonders and natural beauty that, that you see on a regular basis. Yeah, we de I definitely like to get out um, basically every day, um, you know, whether it's uh, going for a walk or mountain biking winter it'll be snowboarding out here um you know i mean a, a lot of old lawyers like to play golf and i get it you know it's just nice to be out there in, in the green um so that for me that's super important and why why i don't work in the city mm. why i don't live in the city yeah yeah, yeah and I, I live in the suburbs um of chicago i know you're 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 fond of uh, the windy city um, and I know you get out here for the tech show on occasion. Um, but yeah, living in the suburbs uh, is great. And uh, we don't have to uh, deal with, you know, what's going on in the city as much. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, living out as far as I do from the city, what the what transportation is going to be like uh, once, you know, the offices, you know, truly open back up with quarantine. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, people are... Uh going to be masks in the transit system that's for sure mm -hmm. uh, the point, uh, i wouldn't want to be in the transit system so. yeah exactly right all right so um let's talk about technology so i and i under, i know the irony um of talking about technology overload 
on a, a video cast where we're you know spread out to social media. Um, but you know, let's talk about what our phones do to us, and and as lawyers, um, how our phones have really um, can really stress us out, or it can be used as something that um, is helpful. So, Dr. Chatterjee says that. Our phones are less of a voice-to-voice -voice communication device and more of a beautifully engineered jack-in-the-box crammed with harmful micro-stress doses. So he talks about all of the things that uh, we can, uh, that we get through our, our phones, things like notifications, um, likes on our posts, shares on our posts. Uh, there are videos galore um, on YouTube and you know, now on Facebook, there's, there are so many videos um, and then things, you know, things like, you know, for our, our Twitch watchers, uh, you know, watching video games on, on Twitch and the like, um, uh, play, actually playing games on our cell phones. Uh, there are, we get uh, Facebook messages and text messages and emails. There's so much going on uh, that can just inundate us uh, with technology. And do you see that sort of, uh, you know, in your practice and what you're doing that, that you got a lot, a lot of messages coming in on your phone? Yeah. It's terrible. Um, the way I think about it is uh, um, if you're getting content for free, um, you got to wonder why. And the reason why Facebook is free and Google is free and, and, so, and Instagram and so on is because they're, they're using us so that they can make money. And that this is how they use us. They, they keep us interested with notifications. They make us feel bad about ourselves and, 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 and look at what other people do and want us to keep up with the Joneses. And so, you know, we're going to click like and like here and like there. We're going to share this and share that to try and gain popularity on their platform. Um, all of these to me are, are, are not good for your, for your mental health. Um, or they can be harmful, I guess is what I would say. Um, because they are, they're built to be addictive. And I think uh, he says that in the book even, uh, but that um, the, the characteristic of something being addictive is that it's kind of random and, and, it, and it gets you interested. So it gives you a hit, some kind of pleasurable hit. And that's what notifications are. They're random, you don't know when they're gonna come. And then there's a little bit of pleasure, pleasure in it. Oh, someone wants, is sending me something. Some, some little video is gonna be interesting. Something's gonna, gonna tickle me a little bit. And that's enough. And that's the recipe for, for uh, addiction. That is how handling works. You know, you pull on that lever on the slot machine and it's random and it tickles you with something and every now and then you'll get a hit, right? So that's exactly what this is. It's designed to be addictive. Well, and let's talk also about, you know, technology in, in the practice of law because, um, it, it, you know, older, more experienced, more seasoned, you know, lawyers, uh, you know, will remember you know, more than, more than I will um, in terms of, you know, what, what typewriters were like and, you know, super copying and, and, all, and all that stuff. Um, and if, if you are a more seasoned lawyer, would love to hear about that in the comments. Um, but yeah, I mean, technology has definitely changed. And in some ways, I think it's made our practices uh, more efficient. Um, but in, in some ways, um, it has certainly, you know, stressed us out more because, you know, whereas, uh, you know, without, before the invention of the cell phone, um, you, the, yes, I mean, I'm sure, you know, partners could call associates at home and I'm sure they did, 
but you know there was no email, nothing like that. So if you if you wanted to get in touch with with your associate and you were a partner, you know, working at the office or working at home, um, there wasn't an, an easy way uh, to reach out without you know physically talking to uh, the person and interrupting whatever you know they were doing at home. Yeah, you 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 if you're a litigator like like me, you get letters, right? And you you would get those letters in the morning and deal with them whenever you want, however you want. And now you get an email and you feel like you have to hit reply as soon as possible. And you actually have to think to yourself, I'm going to let this wait and, and reply tomorrow, you know, because that sense of urgency is there now. And I don't, I don't know if it was there to that extent before. Oh, I'm, I'm sure not. And all of these things, you know, by the way, you know, notifications and likes and everything, uh, it's it can serve as a distraction you know, for, for what we're doing. Um, it's, it's very easy. I mean, I, I even catch myself, you know, working on a brief or reviewing a document and then an email comes in or I get a text message and I'm like, Oh, well, maybe I should just go over here and look at this. And then I go do something else. And then something else catches my eye. And then I, I turn back and I'm like, what, what was I doing? You know? So in many ways, uh, it could be, even though, this technology was designed to be efficient or to help us with our practices. It can distract us and actually lead to some less, you know, less efficiency. Yeah. I, I read that the goal is, is when you're working is to get into a flow, right? You want to, you want to be able to do something and be 20 minutes in and then and 40 minutes in. And by the time you're done, you're like, Oh, I can't believe I missed lunch because you've been so deep inside it. But if you're 20 minutes into your factum and you're totally in the flow and you get a notification, it's going to take you another 20 minutes to get back into that flow. You know, so you're going to lose those moments of deep concentration. They will be interrupted. Absolutely. All right. So let's uh, let's go on to our, our next slide. So right now, Dr. Chatterjee is, is talking in, you know, in this material about social media and specifically as to whether our quote unquote friends list is too big uh, because, you know, as he said, uh, we've evolved to live in tribes of up to 150 people. So actually our, what he says is that our social networks are too big to cope with. And I know, you know, my, my uh, son, you know, would say, okay, boomer, you know, like, you know, what are you talking about? Uh, but it's, it's fascinating. And I, and I think sort of the next point, you know, we can, we can discuss uh, Ian, which is, you know, where it's before sort of a tribe would have these, you know, face-to-face -face interactions and being disrespectful would actually, you know, cause a real problem because you'd be saying something to their face. On social media, anybody can be, you know, a keyboard warrior and anonymously, you know, make, you know, rude comments and that sort of thing. And that's much different than, you know, that that's something that has been brought because of uh, technology, especially social media. Yes, definitely. Uh, I, I think you, you, if you're on, in social media, you have to train yourself to, to ignore. Um, and that, that takes some discipline. Um, it's funny that 150 people, a few years ago, I cut down my Facebook from about 400 people to about 150. So, wow. I like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's fascinating. So tell us a little bit about that, about that process, how you made that decision and what your journey looked well, like around you know, that. So I've had people on my Facebook, um, lawyers, uh, people I've met doing fun things, all kinds of stuff. And um, 
it, it got to the point where I started seeing people, for example, a lawyer who's uh, magnificently successful, right? And I'm seeing all his posts and I'm just like, you know what? This is doing nothing for me. I don't know this person very well. I don't feel good when I see this and or him living, a, you know, his life in, a, in Barbados or whatever. Forget it. I don't need that. So I just, I just, you know, cut that person out. I see someone else that's, uh, you know, living a life that, that doesn't do, make me happy, that doesn't add anything to me, that's not actually a friend, kick him out. And so that, I just went through this, this process where anyone that, uh, it's kind of like the, uh, that, that uh, bring me joy uh, test, right? <laughs> anyone that, 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 didn't, uh, didn't, uh, that didn't add to my life, I felt uh, I just, I took him out. Wow. I mean, that's, that's incredible because I, I, I think that people, um, I think it takes a lot of courage to do that actually. Um, you know, for some of the reasons that, that we'll talk about later, because, you know, that sort of fear of, of missing out, you know, what, you know, being connected to other people, um, you know, we think, well, we're connected to all these people and that's, that's so good. And, you know, we're, we're, we're able to keep in touch, but you know, you're right. I think on the, on the other hand, um, thinking about who, you know, being intentional about who you're connected to and about what you're feeding your mind with, um, uh, that would make, I think, a big difference in my life for sure. The chances that I would call on these people to help are extremely low. And if I needed to call them, the chances wouldn't be higher because they were my Facebook friend, you know? So <laughs> that's not, that's, that, it's, it's nothing. It's, in reality, it's just nothing, you know? Um, so uh, there's one, uh, there's, a, there's another thing I'll, I'll say about my personality. Um, Malcolm Gladwell says if there is one thing he could be, it would be more disagreeable. And by that, he means someone that doesn't care about what other people think. Um, so you keep in mind, though, I mean, Michael Gladwell, I think, is very successful because he does care about what people think. But regardless, um, I'm, I think fundamentally I, I have a disagreeable character. So <laughs> for me to remove certain friends, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm not thinking about how they think about me, for example. Wow. Well, l let me bring in one of our commenters. Uh, Kathy says, I found the tribe of about 150 to be very accurate and how it's impossible uh, to keep up with all of our friends on social media. Well, I, I think that's right. Um, right. I think that um, it is impossible w once you get, I mean, even 150, I think is, is pretty hard to keep up with everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I completely agree with that. And going back to what you were saying, Ian, in terms of, you know, uh, the haters. And I think that you're right. I, I think that you can, in, in some respects, train yourself to, you know, not pay attention to the haters, not to pay attention, to, not try to let it affect you. But I don't, I think everyone is different in that regard. I think that, you know, some people are affected by, you know, negative comments, uh, affected by, you know, fear of missing out, uh, affected by, you know, seeing other people have, I don't know, what you, what you might think of as having a better life than you are. Um, there are they may be more affected about that than, than you know, other people may be. So um, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating uh, thing that you did. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, I think it, it probably, it took a lot of courage to do that because there are so many uh, fears around uh, social and, and what you might be missing. So I think that's great. 
Yeah, I do want to clarify. Disagreeability is, is essentially a personality trait that you can test for. So you can go to a psychologist, give you a personality test, and they'll put you on where you are on that spectrum. Really? Yeah, and that's how you know I am the kind of person that actually doesn't care, um, that really, really doesn't care what you think about me versus I am the kind of person that does, right? So wow. it's testable. It's up there with the other major personality traits like extroversion, introversion, all that stuff. So let me, let me dive a little bit deeper uh, in on that. So because one of the things that, you know, an emotional intelligence skill is knowing yourself, right? Knowing, you know, self-assessment. And that helps you to, you know, you, when you figure out yourself, then you can figure out, you know, how you're going to react to other people. You're going to figure out how to manage a relationship with another person. So curious as to, you know, how you came to the conclusion that, you know, you wanted to find, find this out about yourself and, and what, what that process looked like. Well, it, so I didn't take the test, but um, I came to it by, by reading, you know, things like, and listening to people like Gladwell talk about it. Um, and, uh, and thinking about my own interactions, you know, um, and like you say, my ability to just uh, delete a whole bunch of people off my Facebook, some, some who weren't happy. I did get a few people that I know in real life say, why did you delete me after Facebook? Um, but, uh, you know, and, and of course, the litmus test, my wife, you know, and, you know, when you have someone close to you that's different than you, um, and I see that, you know, she's an agreeable person and I'm a disagreeable person. That's how I know where I am on the spectrum. And and I had a job in my previous job where I did a lot of, it was my job to be the public face of a company and to network and so on. And being a disagreeable, a disagreeable person, I knew that I had to turn it up a notch because that, <laughs> my instinct would be like, I don't care. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you know yourself, you're able to say, this is a weakness of mine. And in this context, I want to, I want to do this, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. Um, and, and, and I've, you know, personally ta- talking about, you know, learning about yourself, um, you know, one of the things that tests that I took sort of as, as the beginning of this emotional intelligence journey was the, the test inside emotional intelligence 2.0. And it really opened my eyes to, to knowing, you know, what are the things that, you know, I'm weakest at. And so that's how this whole, you know, video cast started because, you know, I wanted to learn more about the skills that I was weaker at and, and, you know, wanted, was going to read these books anyway and wanted to, you know, bring on uh, interesting people like yourself to, to have a great discussion about it. So um, I definitely, you know, recommend, you know, um, especially emotional intelligence 2.0 tests, you know, other tests where you can just find out more about yourself. Uh, some of these things are, you know, very easily accessible and uh, it's a it's a great thing just to learn. Yeah. So great. Well, let's uh, let's move on here. Um, and so let's talk about you know when you get that that comment um, that is uh, that that is causing you uh, stress uh, because uh, what Dr. Chatterjee says is our our brains actually uh, notice and and process signals of potential threat first. And it's just more important because, you know, our brains were, were designed to figure out, you know, what's going to, what is threatening us and, and, and what is, is giving us um, a, a good feeling. And um, that's why we take notice of the one snarky comment rather than the 300 likes. 
And then we, you know, ruminate on that one comment and for a long time. And it actually gives our brain the signals that there's something wrong in our social world. And then of course, you know, chronic rumination is a predictor of things, uh, of mental health issues, you know, up into and including uh, suicide. So, you know, and I, and I can tell you just in my own world, you know, I obviously, you know, do a lot of social media, a lot of podcasting and, um, you know, and, you know, post a lot of pictures and that sort of thing. And I remember one, one time in particular, um, I posted a picture of uh, like, like a selfie of me and my dog. Um, you know, very, to me, I love my dog, cute, cute little thing. Um, his name is Pixel and it's, I, you know, I love him. And um, so I posted this picture and he's kind of like, if it, and he hasn't had a haircut in a while, he's kind of, you know, he's a pretty fluffy, you know, dog. And so th that's the picture that I posted, right? And, you know, everyone was, you know, liking and, you know, loving the picture and saying how cute he was. And then, you know, one guy who, you know, was a friend of mine, you know, he posted some like snarky comment. And I, I was, and I took that more to heart than all of the, you know, hundreds of other, you know, likes and, and comments that I got. And so this is definitely, you know, true in my life. And I know that, you know, he didn't mean anything by it. He was just, you know, being playful, I think, but it's, it's true. And if that can happen to me with, you know, a picture of my dog, I, I can only imagine what it's like for, you know, kids that have, you know, social media and they're, they're, you know, have self-esteem issues, you know, on their own because they're so young. Um, and, and I could definitely see how that would work. Yeah. Or any lawyer that's trying it out for the first time, you know, you get, you get, a, you get 10 likes and you get one person that writes a snarky comment and you're like, well, that wasn't worth it. But in reality, it's just one comment. Forget about it, you know, but yeah, it's, it's hard to, uh, hard to not, not stick onto that and make, and have that affect you. Yeah. I actually had a, a great conversation today that I'll be posting on uh, my podcast next Tuesday, uh, but it was a gentleman from a, a branding and marketing company. And he actually said, you know, for lawyers who are posting on social media that you have to think about sort of what your end goal is. And for many lawyers or for most lawyers, actually, um, your goal should not be comments or likes, but it should just be the fact that you're, you're out there and you're connecting with your your social circle because you want to get those referrals and that sort of thing. So, you know, it helped me to sort of reorient myself into thinking, well, yeah, you know, this post didn't get a lot of likes, but, you know, somebody saw it. And, you know, even if they didn't have a reaction to it or if they had a bad reaction, at least, you know, they had a reaction and they saw it and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reconnecting with people. So, you know, just sort of trying to, to reorient, you know, what we're doing on social, I think might help as well. That's great advice. We're, we're essentially out there to show our human personalities and that, you know, some things are going to be liked and some things aren't, but that's, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. So uh, we got a comment from YouTube and uh, the comment says, why are people more affected by a snarky comment compared to kind ones? And I think it's because, I, I mean, I, I'm not a scientist and, and Ian isn't either, but we're learning from what Dr. Chatterjee says in the book. And I think, um, you know, again, I think it has to go back to our, our brain function and the way that, that we've evolved over time is that, you know, if you think about, you know, when we were, I don't know, cavemen and we were, you know, hunting and gathering, our bodies and our brains were really um, oriented to figuring out, you know, what, what is a threat to us? 
And so, you know, what Dr. Chatterjee says in the book is that, you know, we're more affected by a threat because that's the way that, that our bodies and, and brains were set up. So that's why I think that we're more affected by, you know, a snarky comment as opposed to a comment comment, although you would think it would be the opposite. Uh, but I think, you know, what Ian says is completely right. You know, we can try to train ourselves to, you know, not worry about the haters as much and, and pay more attention to the people that actually have meaning to us. I'm going to add to that, um, Dr. Larry Richard, um, who's a lawyer consultant, and he's spoken at a bunch of conferences for lawyers, basically says, look, uh, lawyers are perfectionists, right? So us especially, um, when we get criticized, it hurts because we don't want anything to be wrong. We want things to be perfect. And we have a critical eye ourselves. So um, that's, that's a personality that doesn't fit social media very well. Oh, exactly right. Yeah, and the perfectionist tendencies uh, that we have to deal with is just amazing. So we got one more comment. Uh, comment says, yes, that is one of the reasons that social media can be so bad for children and teens. As a teacher, um, I've been seeing students get so upset by reactions slash comments on social media. Teenagers' self-esteem is unfortunately so tied to social media and social media status slash image. And actually, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, we made the decision in our house. Actually, my wife made, made uh, the decision that I completely agreed with, you know, that, um, you know, our kids uh, haven't had social media. I mean, they, they go on, you know, YouTube and they have that, uh, but they don't have Facebook accounts. They don't have Instagram accounts and that sort of thing. My older son, who's uh, going to be a junior in high school, he's just getting into it. Uh, because, you know, he wants to, well, maybe he wants to be an actor uh, when he grows up. And um, he got some advice from uh, a summer camp that he just did that social media obviously might be helpful to, you know, showcase his voice, showcase his talents and that sort of thing. But, you know, um, protecting, you know, kids from social media may be one way uh, to, to help with this. Because I know there's a lot of cyberbullying that goes on. Yeah, it's, it's, I worry about that with for my own kids, so. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Facebook. So Dr. Chatterjee says that recent studies which examine the effect Facebook has on its adolescence users uh, found that it makes them more depressed. And he, and he says, why is that? It's because your view of the world changes. If you feel that everyone around you is having the best time of their life and you're not, it's going to make you feel like you're failing and that causes stress. And I think, you know, it sort of, you know, ties on to what, what you were saying, Ian. And, you know, I, I see that all the time, you know, people, you know, especially, you know, younger lawyers who are traveling all the time um, and you're, and you're right, more experienced lawyers uh, who, who are going to, you know, on the beach um, and going to places that I wish that I was, you know, I'm, I'm a big Disney fan too. So, Whenever I see, you know, pictures of people going to Disney, yeah, I mean, part of it, part of me says, you know, wow, you know, it's awesome just to see the pictures. On the other hand, it's, oh, God, I wish I was there. They were going to go to Disney in December. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> For the first time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I ignore the, uh, the little pins. No the kidding. <laughs> wow. Yeah, your kids are the, the, the perfect age for uh, – yeah to go to Walt Disney World for the first time. So that'd be yeah. great. No, but yeah, I mean, it's hard enough for lawyers, um, especially young lawyers, uh, to fit in. Um, 
at their own firms, you know, and not want to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, I, I, there's one firm, for example, that I do. every single car in the parking lot was, uh, was a BMW. Mm. Every single car. And, I, and for some reason, uh, I, I happened to have one then at the same time. Sometimes I wonder, is that why they hired me? Did they look at the car I came in on, you know? <laughs> but, you know, and then, and then what do you do? You start doing what all, all your fellow lawyers are doing in the firm, right? You, you buy the nice suits that they have, the same shoes. You go on the same vacations that they do. And all of a sudden, you, you add Facebook on top of this. All your other, you know, I went to a, a law school with 300 other lawyers in the same, same year. All my 300 other lawyers I'm looking at, and I'm seeing all the amazing things they're doing. Mm. And <laughs> that's just not realistic, you know? Um, so never mind adolescent users. <laughs> I don't think adults are going to do or do too well either with, uh, with a lot of Facebook use. So um, my, my thoughts on that are, are if you're going to use social media, have a goal in mind other than just... Uh, just this is a place where I'm going to spend, where I'm going to waste some time. You need to have goals. And to the extent that those aren't being met, don't use it or, or don't, don't, don't be adding people that don't meet those goals. Yeah, I love that. And I love, uh, you know, when you were talking about fitting in, because I remember, you know, when I joined, you know, my first firm um, and, you know, just the need uh, to fit in and to find your place. I mean, it is very much like, um, I don't know, joining a new school for the first time or, uh, you know, what have you, but it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely true that you want to fit in with, with your, with your firm within, you know, whatever department, um, you're going to be in if it's a litigation department or, you know, what have you. So, um, so true. And then adding social on top of that is, uh, can be harmful as well. So I completely, you know, second your, your comments. So um, yeah, let's talk about uh, the the next uh, social media platform, which is Instagram. Um, it actually was found to be the worst social media platform for mental health. Uh, and Dr. Chaudhry says, you know, can we measure up to curated images that are filtered and Photoshop? And it's fear of missing out of things. But you know, we talked about fear of missing out. But you know, let's talk about the you know the curated images in terms of um, you know what people, you know, look like in real life as opposed to, you know, images that are filtered as opposed to, you know, uh, images that, um, you know, make you look quite different from, uh, from the norm and, and make you look better. And it can, you know, certainly make you feel, you know, bad about yourself. You know, if you see people, you know, who, who, you know, the beautiful people, and then uh, you actually see them in, in the daylight without their makeup and without their filter, um, uh, it's it's a it's a different look for sure. Yeah, um, my favorite uh, the favorite um, Instagram uh, thing that I follow is is one where, where they take uh, actual images with the Photoshop image, and they show you they show it to you side by side. Every day I get a dose of reality with that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I actually um, I don't use Facebook, Instagram because because of reasons like that. I don't I don't need to see people um, living it up. It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, 
No, I love it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you're on today because I think we all need sort of that, that dose of, you know, if it's not good for you, why are you, why are you looking at it? Right. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, sorry, Dave. I, 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 one of the things that changed um, the direction of my life is this book called Millionaire Next Door by um, Stanley and Danko. And, and it's why I got into the, you know, um, personal finance stuff. But uh, what it says is lawyers are terrible at uh, saving um, their income. And in fact, they are among the worst savers relative to income. So you take everyone at the same income level. You, your lawyer is, and doctor are going to save the worst. And meanwhile, you've got your teacher and your so on who are much better savers. And, the, and I think that made me think about where we are as a profession. That, and I thought that is totally what me and all my lawyer, my young lawyer friends want to do. You know, we want to eat in nice restaurants and go to nice vacations and, and talk about all the cool things we're doing. Did you play at this golf club and so on and so forth. And that, 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 I think that that's harmful. And once you, you get over that um, fear of missing out in, in, in one frame of life, then you, you start getting, getting over a fear of missing out in all the other things. And so that, that, that's something that, that's helped me. No, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I think part of it, and I see this in my own life, is that um, when you're at a firm and you're sort of, uh, you have an expectation, you know, to bring in business. And so you, you know, float about trying to find, you know, the how many things you can do to, to bring in business. So, you know, maybe you're on social media and then you're gonna, you know, get it, be involved in, in bar association activities, and if it's a national bar, you're, you're gonna have to do some traveling with that. Um, you know, maybe you'll you're be involved in the chamber of commerce, and you'll be sponsoring things, and uh, you'll have to, you know, get involved in the golf club. Um, and so I think there's a um, an expectation for um, for connections and to, to show people that you're make, you're more successful maybe than you are, and then add on to that some of the other things that we were talking about, just the need to, you know, keep up with people and, and to travel and that sort of thing. And yeah, that makes it very hard. Yeah. Especially for lawyers. Yeah. Um, and then he, Dr. Chatterjee continues on talking about sort of the addiction to uncertainty. And Ian, you talked about, about this a little bit, um, just, you know, thinking about, you know, when you post, you know, what will the reaction be to, to the post, you know, how many likes am I going to get? How many, you know, what sort of comments am I going to get? Just kind of like the, the, uh, you know, the, the curiosity and, and like you said, sort of like the slot machine, right. It, and it is kind of, it is random a little bit, right. Whether or not, yeah. you know, you, one post is going to go you know, viral. One post is going to get a lot of likes. Um, and, and that keeps us sort of playing the game, if you will, of, of social media. Yeah, exactly. Your your viral post that that's when your slot machine hits. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everyone experience everyone who's in social media has experienced that 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 uh, feeling where you post something and you think, oh, people are gonna like this, and then you check it in an hour and you check it in two hours, and then and then you, you keep hoping that someone's gonna click on it, right? Mm. So you, you can't help but be addicted to it, uh, and you got to remember that this was designed to work that way. You know? Yep. No, yeah. totally. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, and we're going to get into ways to, to combat the technology overload, but I don't want to 
sort of give um, you know a flavor that you know we're we're completely against social media because obviously you know we we both use it. Um, yeah, and and we're um, you know you know from my point of view, I think it is a good way to um, to stay connected to people. And in you know as we've been quarantined, um, it, you know I think of you know I feel lucky you know being in quarantine because you know I have my family. Um, I had my dog, you know, here at the house and actually, you know, working from home has been uh, great because, you know, I'm seeing them way more than I would be if I had to, you know, commute to the office and then, you know, work and then, you know, come on home on the train and in the car. So um, I feel very, very good about that. But then I think about, you know, people who, you know, are, uh, were by themselves in, in quarantine, people who, who live on their own. Um, and, you know, obviously you can pick up the phone and call people. Uh, but social media, I think, you know, hopefully gave people uh, a way to to stay connected, even though, um, you know, even even though there are some, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, bad things that, that can result of it. But I, I, there is a, a a good way, a connecting way uh, that social media does for us as well. Yeah, I've really greatly enjoyed. Um, for, uh, for example, here in Ontario, we have our own version of Law Twitter. It's a bunch of lawyers on Twitter that are following each other. And I've just really enjoyed, see, you know, seeing that other lawyers are, are struggling the way I am, are having some issues, are making fun of themselves. You know, that that's the good part of social media. You know, when you're like, yeah, you know, it's not just me social isolating here. It's everyone else, too. And that and what I'm going through, they're going through, you know. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's run through some of these ideas. And, you know, uh, for those of you, you know, watching um, online, would love to, to hear if you've, you know, number one, if you've done any of these and if any of these are, you know, of interest uh, to you. So the first one is, I think, one that would be very difficult for lawyers, um, and that's to take a digital holiday. So um, if you have to have your phone with you, so if you're going out for you know, if you're going hiking or, or whatever, um, and you feel like you have to have, you know, something so you can make an emergency phone call or the like, um, generally think about disabling your mo your mo uh, mobile data data services. Uh, so, you know, maybe you can still uh, make a, a phone call, but, you know, then you're not apt to, to go on and look at social media and the like. Um, and so that, that was an interesting, interesting thing to me. But, you know, in terms of, you know, being a lawyer and, and, and you know, taking a digital holiday, it's tough because, or maybe in my mind, it's tough because, you know, what if the, you know, that key email from, you know, uh, a client comes in or an emergency comes in or, oh my yeah. gosh, what am I missing if I don't, you know, look at my email constantly? I'm sure that you've, you know, run through, had those thoughts run through your head as well, Ian. Yes, it's, um, it's a terrible plight. <laughs> Um, and it's hard to do. It's hard to do. So listen, when we come home, uh, the rule on our house is we, we put our phones, uh, uh, to charge on the doorway and, and we don't touch it again. And, um, I don't always stick to that rule, but <laughs> that's the rule. Uh, but 100%, um, never sleep next to your phone. Um, I do that when I travel, you know? I, and I, you know, you're in a hotel, you put that phone there. And, and what do I do when I'm, when I'm traveling? I'm just sitting in bed on the phone the whole time, right before I go to sleep. 
and uh, you, you don't want to do that. So that, that's a that is a rule. I'm really glad I stick to at home, and I know I know it's hard. Um, yeah, so- and, and actually, uh, our guest uh, last week had the exact same uh, comment in terms of you know you actually you sleep better when you don't have that phone next to you, and when you don't you know uh, read an email or look at that light just before you try to go to bed. That actually really uh, hurts your sleep. Yeah. If you do a little experiment with yourself, um, if you are the kind of person that's going to bed with your phone next to you all, every night, uh, spend the week with a book, and you're going to realize uh, how well you sleep and how quickly you go to sleep. <laughs> because books, uh, at the end of the day, uh, are going to put you to sleep. <laughs> but but just that that's just you know one example. Um, it, it's even hard for me when I go out for lunches with fellow lawyers. You know, a lot of lawyers are good about taking that phone and, and putting it away. I put it right there on the table. I have a hard time putting it away. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm with all of you guys watching. I'm with, I'm with you. Uh, so I'm not going to preach things I can't practice. It's hard, you know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, yeah. So, all right. So let's go on to the next one, which is uh, using oh, yeah, sort of a. Dave, about the last thing. Yeah. Due to all notifications. Uh, because I'm such a deep believer in, in, in working without interruption and, and you get into a flow, um, I have all my notifications off on my phone and Windows, my practice management software. Nothing notifies me about anything. When I get a new email, no. It's always my choice to check the email, my choice to check my messages and so on. So you turn off notifications. Yeah, I love that. I And I'm... I have to admit, I'm the exact opposite way. Now, emails, emails, I can't do because I get, I'm on so many newsletter lists, and I'm just, I get a lot of nonsense in my email. So yes. if I turn my emails on, that would be hard. What I do have notifications on, and maybe after tonight I won't, is uh, news notifications uh, because oh. you know I don't, um, I'm not somebody who I don't you know, watch the news on a regular basis. I don't, uh, I don't read the newspaper uh, a lot. Um, and, you know, again, maybe this isn't the best thing to do. I'm sure it's not, but I get my news from Twitter notifications a lot of the times. So, you know, if, you know, because all of the news organizations pretty much, you know, have Twitter accounts. And so, you know, I'm, I subscribe to, you know, several of them on Twitter and um, the ones that, you know, that I trust, those are the ones that I have, you know, notify me of what's going on in the news. So I know it's probably the worst way possible way to get news is from social media, but you know, that, it, that's the way it works out for me. So. Yeah. Well, I, I do enjoy uh, getting my news from Twitter too, especially with the black lives matter movement. Uh, sometimes you get way more updated and, and quick info from Twitter. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting you brought that up because, um, and, and, you may actually get better a better news source from uh, non-news outlets. And, and what I mean by that is, so um, I, we live in a community here uh, right outside of Chicago that I don't know if you, if you've, I'm sure you've been paying attention to sort of like the, the riots and things that have been, that have been happening. And um, in Chicago, uh, there were quite a, a few riots downtown for a while. And then, um, in our t- in our town, there were you know protests and riots and that sort of thing, and so um, you know, and this was you know something that occurred you know not that far, like ten minutes from from where, where we live, 
And so we actually found uh, a guy who was, you know, going live, you know, he was part of the protest and, uh, you know, not making trouble or anything, but he, you know, so many people in my community were watching that feed just to, you know, find out, you know, what was happening. And yeah. then, you know, on the other side, on sort of the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement um, uh, sources, uh, you're right, because you you don't really, for me, I found a lot about sort of like the impact um, that um, uh, racial injustice was having on folks uh, through uh, social media. You know, I, I've learned a lot uh, from people um, over the past, um, you know, few weeks um, about those issues uh, through social media. So actually, you know, finding, finding credible sources, finding um, people with perspectives different than mine. Um, it's really, you know, one of the great things that I found about social media is, you know, find, if I want to understand something better, I want to hear a different voice, social media is somewhere um, that I can go to get that. I agree. It's been, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's awesome, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. So question about, you know, when you use your phone, um, you know, maybe asking yourself, do you really need to carry your phone with, with you? Um, do you really need to post this? Why am I doing this? And I, I'm very guilty of taking my phone wherever I go. And it's a terrible thing because again, it's like, well, what if my partner calls me? What if my, you know, client calls? Uh, yeah. So I, I end up, you know, just in the house, I carry it around with me, which is a terrible habit, but it's something that, you know, I, I need to stop and think about, you know, wow, do I really need to have this with me at all times? It's a hard conversation to have with yourself and a hard decision to make uh, to unattach yourself from that thing. Um, I'm on, I'm on, uh, I'm on vacation right now at, uh, at our cabin and, hmm. uh, I spent the day phone ups up here and, uh, reading by the lake. And, uh, and I have to say there were some pangs, <laughs> although I wanted to check. Um, but it was also a great day because I didn't check. So, yeah. So we, we got another comment that says, um, I also think bosses, partners, supervisors, uh, and parents need to be aware that employees cannot and should not be accessible at all times. And there should not be an expectation that uh, employees respond immediately during uh, work hours. So what, what, how would you respond to that, Ian? Well, I think uh, law firms um, need, need to think about what, what policies they want to implement, right? Um, like you, like for example, we, I don't, I, I don't think there's an obligation to respond to anything after hours. Um, there just isn't, and I certainly don't want to be getting emails from from opposing counsel after hours. I would hate getting emails from opposing counsel on Fridays. I'm like, what are you doing? You know. Because you're sending me a message on Friday, and I'm going to think about that on Saturday and Sunday. I wish you had, <laughs> and I try not to do that myself, because that's that's what we do, right? We like like the good doctor says, we whatever it is we do um, during the day, that's our input, and and I'm kind of the view that our brain is works on automatic, and so you got to feed that brain good stuff. And if you're feeding it work, 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 that's a terrible weekend you've got. Um, so, yeah, I like the idea of, of putting a stop to, to that kind of thing. 
Um, at our firm, there's no expectation you you respond after hours. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I and I've been at you know very large firms, and now I'm at a mid-sized firm, and uh, it's it's interesting just to see uh, the difference uh, between uh, the two. Um, yeah, exactly. And- Those that care about your work-life balance. Think about that small firm, even if it doesn't pay better. <laughs> no, I mean that's exactly right. I mean that's what I've seen. I mean certainly, you know, I've, I, you know, the, when I look back at at my large, you know, when I was at a large firm, you know, I received excellent training. Um, so many good things that came out of that. Uh, but but the one thing that I thought, you know, really uh, is the real difference between you know, what I'm doing now and when I was at the big firm is sort of, you know, the flexibility and the expectation game. Um, and it really depends on, you know, who you're working for and, and what they think. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with the comments or uh, it, it's, it's really up to, and you know, the nice thing Ian, is that, you know, people like me uh, and you and, you know, our, our younger uh, listeners and watchers, um, you know, you can, we can really affect that change, you know, as we get older and, and, and maybe, you know, get into, uh, you know, the ranks of, you know, starting to, to help run some of these firms, um, you know, we can, it's incumbent upon us to I- implement some of these policies. Yes. So, all right. And then the next, the next part, and you talked about this a lot, so we don't need to delve into it uh, quite a bit, is to control your tech boundaries, which, you know, turning off those notifications, those group texts. Uh, chats and messages. And the only thing that I would say on it is um, I've been added to a lot of weird uh, group uh, texts and a lot of weird uh, group Facebook messages um, that it, it, for a while, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny just to watch, but then it, it gets, you know, pretty annoying. And I find myself just taking taking myself out of those groups and, and or just muting the groups because um, yeah. you, don't, you don't need to get all of those uh, messages. All right. Uh, so, you know, and so another thing that you can do, uh, Dr. Chatterjee says for, you know, combating technology overload is to do things that teach you to delay gratification because, um, you know, one of the things with social media, what, what, what we've seen and what we've talked about is, you know, you're, you're constantly checking to see how you're posted um, and you want to teach yourself to delay that gratification. So learning a lot of uh, different things, such as learning to play a musical instrument, learning a new language, playing chess, learning a new sport, playing games. He even says playing uh, computer games uh, might, have, might help with that as well. But it's fascinating um, to think about you know, uh, playing a, a musical instrument. Like I, I, I'm learning to play piano, although I will say I'm learning – to play piano via app, um, but uh, instead of you know traditional music lessons, but yeah, certainly uh, that helps you to delay gratification because it's something that you're learning and something that you know you can't expect to you know to learn a, a musical instrument overnight, right? Yeah, I think there's, I, I think he's my my interpretation of what's going on here is is um, on the one hand, uh, there's tons of good literature that delaying gratification is is just a good way to live. You know, um, so, you know, the, the old marshmallow test for your, for your three-year-old, right? If you say to your three-year-old, uh, um, you have one marshmallow now or two if you wait an hour, right? And, uh, and apparently the kids do have better outcomes if they, if they are able to wait that hour. 
Um, so, you know, I don't know if, if these uh, tasks that he's put to help you have better delayed gratification skills. Um, as someone that plays chess, I can tell you, you can play blitz chess, and <laughs> I don't know if I'm delaying any gratification there. I'm playing that <laughs> for the fun in the present time, you know? Um, and similarly, you know, you're learning new things. Um, I think that's cool. I don't know if it delays gratification. Um, what I would say is doing these things uh, gives you another aspect of, of life to live for, another input in, in the things that are going into your brain, right? You can spend the eight hours of your, of your day um, doing work and the next four hours thinking about work. Or you can take eight, eight hours of your day doing work and then you can be you know, spending an hour on your musical instrument and an hour on chess, an hour trying new things. And then the whole weekend trying those new things or doing whatever, right? For me, it might be, you know, learning how to wire my, my, my switches in the house, right? Or, or building a tree house. Um, so all of those things I think are, are nice uh, things to, that you can do in life, right? Other, other things to fill your life with. Um, so that, that's how I see that. Um, and those are things that I've, that I've recently done, by the way. So, and I've, I found them extremely fulfilling. So I think it's just about, look, I am more than my work. I can do tons of things and enjoy tons of things. I don't define myself by my job. Um, and I don't want my brain to define itself and to think constantly about, about the job because it's so easy to let, to let, to let our practice, um, dominate us. For sure. And, you know, one of the things that um, uh, that I try to, to teach people is, you know, we all talk about, you know, time management. And I think oftentimes for lawyers, that means, you know, how do you divvy up the, you know, your work schedule? Uh, but actually uh, what I try to do is to put into, you know, my life things that um, things that I love, things that I'm passionate about. Um, admittedly, some of them, you know, are tangentially related to the law, like, you know, this, uh, this video program, um, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm interested in, you know, how to, how to stay well in a legal environment. So, yeah, I mean, this has partly to do with my job, but partly cause I'm, you know, fairly interested in the subject as well. So trying, just trying to include some things that you love, um, in, in your day, um, can help tremendously. Yeah, it's a fun aside, right? It's just, I think about my Facebook lawyers forum and I just love thinking about what am I going to write about today or what interesting thing can I think about? And I bet you go through your day sometimes when you're sick of work and you're just driving home and you're, you have something fun to think about. What, what, what kind of book do I want to read next or, or talk about, right? Absolutely. Those are, those are fun things to think about to have in your, in your brain. Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, a few other things that uh, Dr. Chatterjee talks about is uh, muting your digital world. So, you know, he talks a lot about uh, the lunch hour as well. You know, we, we talked about that, uh, trying to put your, your phone down, which is a very tough thing to do. Uh, you're right, because, you know, it's funny, um, you know, during quarantine, it, it seems like uh, because I'm home and I'm not really going out for lunch or anything like that, I, I tend to... Um, actually, and it's not a good thing, but I tend just to kind of like skip over and I'm eating while I'm while I'm working. 
And that's not that's not really a great thing. And to be able to to take that lunch hour and to put work aside, uh, to put your phone down, and to actually focus on you know a conversation with somebody uh, is something that I really need to get back to. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that until until this. Same thing. Like I go downstairs, I prepare lunch, I bring my lunch up to the computer, and I keep going. You know, <laughs> or I start surfing the net, even though it's my lunch hour. Um, you know, you gotta. It takes effort to walk outside <laughs> and to and to break everything off. And the old days, um, you know, pre-COVID, was I found it was easy because I would go for lunch with with colleagues or go for lunch with lawyers in town. And that's that that is, by the way, how how that's my networking um, secret. By the way, that that's what I do. I take people for out for lunch, and so that's been uh, you know something I, I've done um, nothing of since uh, since COVID. So it's. Yeah. And the Zoom is not the same. No. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a decent. uh, It's nice. It's not the same. Yeah. No, it it really isn't. Um, So this last one I found uh, impossible uh, for me, at least with my work email account, with my personal email account. Yeah, maybe. But declaring email bankruptcy. So once you've reached a a critical. (laughs) <laughs> Once you've reached a, a critical mass of unreplied emails, just trash them all and start again. That's not for lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think. I don't delete emails. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're right, though. I mean, how many people actually delete emails? I have, you know, like a million folders that I just, you know, if I get it, I just throw it into the, into the folder, even though it's it may be completely meaningless. It could be. You know, my uh, my law partner saying, "Okay, we're gonna have a phone call at this time." I still folder it. I mean, you're right. I mean, how often do we delete emails? Yeah, and I'm sure in my general mailbox, I can go there right now and find the very first email I received. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Pro- probably not uh, a, a good uh, uh, thing for lawyers. Um, and then we'll we'll just breeze through some of these. Um, uh, scheduling, you know, one to two hours to look at emails, um, scheduling time uh, to look at social media. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, with emails, uh, you know, one of the things that that he talks about is something that Tim Ferriss recommends, which is, uh, you know, have a set time that you look at emails. And I can actually see um, how this could be good. Um, set a time that you're looking at emails and then, you know, add an auto responder for the times so that you're not going to look at your emails. Because I think, you know, again, taking away the distraction of social media, taking away the distraction of emails and just saying, you know, hey, I'm not going to be looking at emails during this time. If you really re- need to reach me, you know, pick up the phone and call me if it's an emergency. Otherwise, I'll be looking at it, you know, sometime down the line. So it's it's kind of a fascinating uh, thing to think about. Yeah, it's a tough one to manage your emails. I have had days where I'm like, well, first of all, a lawyer, I don't think, can set aside half an hour to look at emails because that means you're looking at your emails and 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 you're you're filtering all of them out into a, a schedule, right? You're saying, I don't have to do this now. I'm going to do this then here. I'm going to do this there. I'm going to do this there. But I think mo- uh, some of the time you're looking at those, probably every time you look at your whole set of emails, there's going to be a couple of things there that you need to do now, right? So I don't think you're going to be setting aside, you know, half an hour. 
you might set aside two hours to look at your, me- your meals because you know there are going to be some things that you're going to have to do, right? So when, <laughs> so I've had good days when I look at my emails and, I, and before I sit down, I was like, okay, I'm going to answer all these emails and I'm just going to finish every task that, 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 th- that replying to those emails requires, right? And, and lo and behold, that was the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how emails can just drag you into a hole that you'll, yeah. you won't come up to, for, you know, from for hours. Yeah. Um, for sure. Or, or you go, you know, I've got my three things, you know, I absolutely have to draft this, this, and this, this morning. So I'm going to look at my emails in the afternoon, but uh, it's tough. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you can schedule set times. For me, I come in, I, I read the emails and I think, and I think to myself, okay, I, none of this has to be done now. I'm just going to do what I have to do. I'll come back to it at 12 o'clock type thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I th- you would re- it would require big time discipline to do this. I, I don't know how people do it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Tim Ferriss, I guess, only works four hours a week. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Tim Ferriss uh, writes books and speaks. I don't know what else he does. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Um, so what else? Uh, he talks about, uh, Dr. Chadri talks about muting uh, groups and texts. We talked about that. Turning off notifications, opening a dedicated email account for friendly, family and friends only. You know, I don't know how that would work. I, it, for lawyers, it, it certainly, um, I don't think, w- would help us get away from, you know, our constant need to, to look at emails. Um, putting your phone out of sight in social situations, um, taking, uh, taking notes, keeping diary on paper to get you away from your phone. That's interesting. Um, switching your phone to grayscale. This is something that I haven't tried um, because it makes it uh, less interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, I, that I've done actually, and it, it was more to save room on my phone, which it was to uh take off where uh, the pictures would automatically download on emails that seems to oh, have helped a little bit too yeah, yeah. um and then you know other things he suggests is you know taking news apps off your phone uh tracking your usage through something like a moment app so you can see you know uh how how much you've been on social media that would be quite interesting um uh doing a challenge with your friend to limit social media and then you know, maybe buy an old-fashioned CD player or a record player to get you away from uh, your phone as well. So I think all all interesting ideas. And you know, what typically what I do, Ian, is I you know challenge my audience to you know maybe just pick one of the things that we talked about today and try to implement it uh, for this upcoming week. Because you know uh, the the nice thing about this book is that. You know, it sort of gives you the the science behind it. It, it, and then it gives you, you know, lots of different options. But then it's up to us uh, to take one of these things and to actually implement it in our lives. So I wonder, you know, Ian, as we kind of, you know, getting to the end of our of our discussion today, was there any, you know, sort of, you know, last thoughts that uh, that you might want to share with our with our viewers today? Um, I guess I'll just say. Uh... It, it, it's it's just about um, what I sort of midway through, uh, at least for me, um, you know, it's, it's about understanding
understanding that that there's more to to all of this than than lawyering, and and it's important to to have other things that are occupying your mental energy, because if you don't have anything else occupying your mental energy, it will go back to the practice. So that's that to me is the key for why you want you know learn learn to play piano. Take up this or that fun activity. Go for a walk. Play golf. It's so that you you have other things um, that occupy your mind. You know, I think about you know we we all we all know some some probably our parents or grandparents or parents-in-law who aren't working, and the smallest thing can set them off. And I often think it's because this smallest thing that they're dealing with is the only thing that they're dealing with. But if you add another 10, 10 fun, interesting things, um, that puts things in perspective. And so it's good to have um, all these other interesting, fun things so you maintain perspective in your practice. That's, that's an awesome last thought. Um, thank you so much for uh, you know, joining me today. Um, I know that um, you know, we've got a lot of great, great commenters. Um, and so I know that you've really, uh, you know, your message really resonated with people. I wonder, and maybe this is not a great question to ask uh, you because I know you're trying to cut people out of, of social, but um, if somebody wanted to, to find you on social media or perhaps getting in contact with you, you know, with your uh, financial uh, group online, what, what would be the best way that, that people could, could reach out to you and follow your work? Yeah, you can, you can add me on, on LinkedIn. Um, just look for me, Ian Hu, or on Twitter, Ian underscore H-U underscore. Um, unfortunately, the Facebook site is only for Canadian lawyers, but if you want to join, um, just look for it, Canadian Lawyers Personal Finance Forum. Um, easiest way is you can just send me an email to um, ihu at chcbarristers.com. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And, and just to give my viewers kind of uh, what, what we're going to be doing next week, Next week, we're going to be bathing ourselves in nature. So using nature to de-stress us. Uh, we're, our guest host next week is going to be Laurel O'Sullivan. She's an attorney, uh, nature enthusiast, and founder of The Woman's Coach. Actually, she was uh, my very first uh, boss. I did a fellowship with a public interest uh, law program during my third year uh, summer. And uh, she was the very first person that I, that I dealt with um, as an almost lawyer. So it'll be great to reconnect with her. She's had a lot of amazing travels and she's going to talk to us about, you know, how, how we can use nature and getting out into nature can help us with our stress. And actually, uh, because she's actually going to be traveling next Wednesday, uh, we're going to move the date to uh, Tuesday. So our special date is going to be Tuesday, July 7th at 7 p.m. Central on all of the channels that you're, you're currently watching me, um, but especially on our Facebook uh, fan page um, at uh, facebook.com slash lawyers EQ. So uh, as we depart, uh, just remember that emotional intelligence skills are necessary for all lawyers and we can learn these skills together. So thanks again, Ian, and thank you everyone uh, for watching and commenting. And we'll see you next week, next Tuesday for the Lawyer's Emotional Intelligence Book Club. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Take care, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. If you weren't able to join the live version of the program, that's okay because there's plenty of ways to join the discussion. 
You can leave me a voicemail by going to anchor.fm slash attorneydsy and hitting that message button. You can leave me a comment for me to play on the show or a question for me to answer. You could also leave me a comment or question on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AttorneyDSY. I'm also on LinkedIn, so let me know if you have any comments about this episode. Tell me what you think about this podcast or give me a topic you'd like to hear about. This podcast is on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, and Anchor. So please be sure to subscribe and rate and review. Um, I also want to invite you to the next session of the Lawyer's Emotional Intelligence Book Club, continuing with Dr. Chatterjee's book, The Stress Solution. The next session will be a a special date, which will be Tuesday, July 7th at 7 p.m. Central. You can find out more at facebook.com slash lawyerseq. Have a great day or night, and remember to fight for the lifestyle that you want and become the rainmaker that you need to be.